You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. Oftentimes when we read God's word, and something is repeated over and over again, it is repeated because he wants to get the reader in a position to understand what he's trying to proclaim. And so that's when we read what is recorded in God's word. But when we worship and something is saying over and over, God is trying to proclaim something in his sung word. And so what we're singing is that I'm going to make it through. That is for somebody here today. We don't know what you're dealing with or what you're going, what's going on in your life. God wants you to realize that you're going to make it through. And as I think about Psalms 91, David writes, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He says this, I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God that I trust. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the deadly disease. He will cover you with his, with his feathers. He will shelter you from his wings. His faithful promise is your armor and your protection. It says, do not be afraid by the terror by night, nor the arrows that fly by the day. Do not, do not dread on the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes by midday. Though a thousand may fall by your side, and 10,000 are dying all around you, evil would not come near you. This is God's word. You can stand on it. You can, you can know that his word would not return void. So wherever you are today, Rejoice in knowing that God has revealed himself to you this morning. And so, Father, today, God, if we celebrate the newness that's taking place right now, God, the revelation that's taking place right now, God, we bind everything that's not of you. And God, we cast it back down to the pit of hell right now. God, we will trample on scorpions and serpents, God, because you have given us that authority. God, you told us in your word that we are more than conquerors. So God, we know that, God, we, are, we know that we are more than conquerors, God, so we will walk it out as such. So Father, we thank you, God. We God, we say, have your way today. 
God, we thank you, God, for your redemption. We thank you, God, for your restoration. But Father, most importantly, God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, have your way here today. You inhabit the praises of your people. We love you, God, and we honor you. It's in Jesus Christ we say, amen and amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Experiencing right now. It's just. She's crying out to God. Have your way today. Have your way, God. tells us that when one person is saved or set free, that the angels in heaven are rejoicing. And so they're rejoicing because they know that as our brothers and sisters in Christ are being set free, they're being delivered, they're being restored, they're being redeemed. And I pose this one question, what if that person was you? What if that individual was your mother, your brother, your sister, your uncle? Let's think about before you met Christ, amen? The wretched man that we were. Thank you. Father, wrap your arms around your child. I pray that your abiding presence, God, stay with her. That she draws near to you, God, that you would draw near to her. that every burden that she lays down right now, God, she will leave it at the altar. Father, you know the unspoken prayers that she has, the prayers that she's labored over for years and months and days. Will you meet every need that she has?
that is according to your riches and your glory. And Father, I pray that she will continue to lift your name on high. That she remain faithful unto you. Holy Spirit, have your way today and forevermore. Family, we've been in a sermon series about the vision of one church. And simply put, the vision of one church comes out of John 17, 21. And in John 17, 21, the scripture reads that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe. And we've been in this series for the past three weeks, and we're landing the plane next week as we wrap up our, our vision series. And last week, we talked about the seeking the one, because one matters. Like, right, you know, there's, there's value in that one, the one that we need to go after. And we, we lifted up the, the passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 15 where we read the passage of Scripture where this young lady, this woman who turned her house upside down looking for one coin, one coin, she lifted up under every cupboard and cup and dish, and she moved the couches and furniture out the way. She was looking for something that was so precious to her, she began to look at the entire house. And we talked about last week as well about how the man would leave the 99 to go after the one. He has a fold of 100 sheep, but one got lost. One drifted away somehow, some way, and he left the 99 to go after the one. Because that one matters. The father found one of his sons, decided to go off and do what sometimes we want to do ourselves. And he waited month after month, week after week. And he waited by the gate, by the threshold of his house, looking for that one son. And when he saw his son from afar, he went off to go meet him. Because that one matters. So church, I'm reminded to tell you today that, yes, that we are called to seek the one while seeking the one. We're called to seek the one, the one that's lost, the one that's sitting by themselves, the one that's not connected to the body of Christ. But while seeking that one, we are called also to seek the one. Because everyone has a face, everyone has a name. That one has a soul. That one is the person that Jesus Christ died for. The one sitting outside the margins matter. I, we, want you to know that you are loved. We want you to know that you're known. We want to remind you that you are needed. And church is not something that you go to but it's a family that you belong. See, us gathering to, at church every single Sunday doesn't mean that there's just a place or a facility or, 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 or a temple that you just go to, but no, it's more than a place that, where you belong. That's what church is about, that you belong to a community, that you belong to 
Family that may not look like you, talk like you, dress like you, may be in a different economic status than you, but yet you still belong. And so today, after seeking the one, we're called to serve the one. So if I had to lift up a title today, it, was, it would be called Serving the One. This is not on the screen, but Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 39, I'll be reading in the NIV version. And it's a very familiar piece of pastor. I want to just kind of set the stage of where we're going today. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 39, then I'll be crossing over to chapter 10. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field, into his harvest field. Chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the Scrat, who betrayed him. See, this scripture reminds me that everybody needs somebody, that everybody should have a partner in crime, amen? For many of you, some of you had the partner in crime before you were saved, your running buddy, your road dog, your ride or die brother, sister, chick, whatever you want to call them, you had that partner who did, you did ministry with, Amen. We understand that everybody needs somebody. And when we begin to understand the why and what everybody needs somebody, then we can begin to really tell the how and the where and even the what. Why partners and, and people who partner together and the co-laborers in the faith, those who serve together is, is needed in the body of Christ. Why did... Matthew and Jesus called the 12 disciples. Jesus called the 12 disciples because he needed partners in the ministry. Those theologians who graduated magnum cum laude from Bible study, amen. Those who may graduate in magnum cum laude or, or summa cum laude or thank you, laude. <laughs> from any type of educational institution, 
You may know the reason why the 12 disciples mirror the 12 tribes of Israel. That's true. But I say that there's even more to the reason why we have the 12 disciples. And that reason why is found in chapter 9 in verse 37. Because Jesus is telling us that he's traveling to Judea. And while he's traveling to Judea, he's teaching, he's preaching, and he's healing. Did you get that? While he's traveling through Judea, he's teaching, he's preaching, and he's healing. So while he's teaching through this vast land, he's preaching his father's lessons. He's healing the people that he's coming in contact with. And he realizes that he cannot do it all by himself. He says that the harvest is plentiful. But those who serve, those who co-labor with him in the gospel are few. And he needs help. Jesus understands that there's more Work that has to be done. He understands that he is not able to do it all by himself. So what does he do? He calls on 12 disciples, 12 apostles to be specific. He prayed for some partners to help co-labor in the faith. Because in ministry, sometimes our assignment that God gives us is greater than our individual ability. The assignment that God has for you and I is greater than we can do by ourselves. So we need co-laborers. We need help people to partner with the kingdom of God, with the kingdom mission of God to walk out what God has called us to do. So we're not called to be by ourselves. This is the reason why he selected and commissioned his 12 apostles. He said, I need some help. I can't do this by myself. Now, now let's, let's really understand this. This is Jesus, right? This is the Messiah. The Messiah that we read from the beginning of time. The one that created the heavens and the earth. He stepped out of heaven into earth to do the work of his father. He is saying that he needs help. This is Jesus, right? The same Jesus that was in the wilderness for 40 days. The same Jesus that walked on water. Y'all know it turned water into wine, casted out demons. The same Jesus that, you know, when the young lady touched the hem of his garment became whole. This is the same Jesus that did all of these miracles saying, I need some help. So if Jesus needs some help, little old me, born in the south side of Rochester, New York, might be the east side, I don't know what side it was, this, it's south side because it sounds better, right? Because nothing good comes from the north, amen? I'm, hey, 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 okay, 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 my bad, North Ashboro. Oh, bless him, Jesus. If Jesus needs help, then you and I 
We need some help. Because this great commission, this great commandment that God gives us, the gospel is too great and our mission is too urgent for us to do it by ourselves. We see this from the beginning of time. We see this in Genesis chapter 2, right? So God brings, takes Eve out of Adam to accomplish the work that he needed to do. We see in Genesis chapter 2, we see that Eve is called her, his help mate to accomplish the things that God wanted Adam to do. And we see here in chapter 10 of Matthew where he says, Philip and Bartholomew and Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Zebedee, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, that Jesus knew. He could have just said James, John, Peter, Mark, and all of that. And he said, no, Jesus, John, and Bartholomew, Thaddeus, and Philip. He wanted to know that we were committed and needed to serve the kingdom of God. Which brings me to our first point for today. We serve the one because we're committed to the gospel. We serve the one. Not only the one, which is our risen, our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, but the one individual. We serve the one, the mission, the one vision, the one gospel that God has called us to do because we are committed to the gospel. People ask, Ryan, why do you always go all in? Why are you here, sun up to sundown? Why are you here? Because I believe this. I want to give my best because he gave his best. I want to give God my all. I don't want to give God half-baked stuff. No, I want to give God all that I am because he gave us all. He gave us his best, not no second hand-me-downs. God gave us his very best. Jesus is the true goat. Amen? Jesus is the greatest of all time. I don't care what you say, it's not Kobe, it's not LeBron, the second goat is definitely MJ, amen? <laughs> we can argue about that later. If you're a Kobe friend or a LeBron fan, I'm sorry, but Michael Jordan, he changed, he changed the whole game, right? Come on now, yes. Where my LeBron fans at? Oh yeah, this is a good church, y'all, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. We serve the one because we're committed to the gospel. We're called to serve. And it's all throughout the gospel. If you don't believe me, let's lift up 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9 through 10 says this. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Amen. So what that means, when I come to your house, have some sweet tea ready. Right, Nathan? Water. water. My bad, my bad, my bad. Have some water ready. He's in a whole nother regimen. You come to our house, we'll have sweet tea, some what we call a timonade or Ana Ponder, whatever you want to call it. Some cheer wine, half and half. 
But it says, offer hospitality, meaning that you have to offer your service, that you're willing to lay down yourself to take care of someone else, to lay down your needs to take care of someone else's needs. It says this, to do it one to another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, amen, you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Let me break that down real quick. It says each of you should use whatever gifts that God has endowed you with. The Bible tells us that we all have gifts. Go back and read Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about the different gifts that he has given us. And we, I did a sermon series a while back, and we talked about gifts and talents. Your gifts are different from your talents. Our gifts, is, our gifts are received from, from on high, from heaven. Your talents is something God has given you, has ingrained into you to mobilize and then perfect and help execute the gifts that God has given us. It's a platform that God's allowed us to have. As a faithful steward of God's grace, in various forms. And so what that means is this, that everybody has the ability to use your gifts to serve. To serve the body of Christ and be the vessel of Christ in wherever workplace or platform marketplace leader that you are where you're at. Matthew chapter 20 verses 26 and 28 says this, not so with you. Instead, whosoever want to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And I know slave is a very, it, it's a harsh word. But in the King James, I believe it says servant as well. And then when we say servant, that is that we're willing to serve our brothers and sisters in the faith. We're willing to serve those who are not even a part of the faith. Because we have to be the hands, or we should be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says this. For, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We see all throughout Scripture that God has called you and I to serve. So my question is, why isn't it happening? I'm going to let you guys think about it for a second. I want that awkward pause, that silence to just to kind of set in. If God has called us to serve, then why aren't we serving? We'll come back to that. We serve not to be seen but we serve so that others are known. I will, Lindy. We serve not to be seen, but we serve so that others can be known. Imagine this. When we have people come into the church, our host team, our Greek team, and our, our connections team, they have the opportunity to really begin to 
speak life into their situation and begin to have that, that first encounter. You know, my, my former profession is like hustle. I serve at, um, as a, at a hotel, and, you know, we, we, we engage a lot of different people, right? People come in mad. They come in on 10 already, like, man, what's going on? Like, they come in hot. Like, it's, like, it's unreal. But then we often have to remind our team members that you never know what they encounter to get to where they're at today. Even in your jobs or when you're calling, or better yet, when you go to the DMV, come on, church. <laughs> Woo. When you go to the DMV, that would test your Christianity, amen? <laughs> it would test your holiness on a whole different level. Something that, come, that just rises up in you while you sit at the license plate agency in North Carolina. Never mind. Let me just, let's just pray for him. I'll say this. You never know what the person that you're talking to are going through. And you may be the only Jesus that they may encounter for that day or even that lifetime. And how you serve them will make a difference. And I believe this church, our church, we're a church who love to serve. And the reason why I know that, because we're going to show this video, is just a reminder of how we love to serve our city. Like it's a foreign language to them that people just want to love them. Let's give you guys a round of applause. You guys, our church did an amazing job. Love Our City is our annual campaign where we go out into the city of High Point and really just love on the city of High Point. We've encountered that entire week a close to about 2,000 people loving on them. 700 scoops of ice cream. 700 scoops of ice cream. Come on now, church. 300 cups of coffee. Over 300 families that we were able to touch and connect with for, for, um, for groceries and laundry and things like that. Guys, you, we were the hands and feet of Jesus Christ that met them in a space that was not within these walls, but right where they were at. And my favorite part was on Sunday, where we closed the church, went to City Lake, and you can hear the worship of God across the lake. You can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit just encamped around everyone. Then we got to cook out and eat and play cornhole and games and different things like that and begin to love on each other. 
but then serve one another in such a capacity. I love how those who were serving at one point said, stop serving, you go eat, and then let this team serve you. They had a heart to serve one another. And that's the beauty of it, right? And that's what Jesus wants us to do. See, Jesus wants us, he, he wants us or desires us to partner with him in what the gospel is called to do. It's not only proclaim who he is, but proclaim what he does as well and how he redeems and how he restores. My second point is this. Not only are we called to serve the one because we're committed to the gospel itself, we're called to serve the one because we're connected to each other. God created us to serve each other in the local church. When we become more like Christ, we should become committed servants through the body of a local church. Well, how is that? Scripture tells us that we're one body in many parts. And then when we operate on all cylinders and use all parts and we become more effective vessel. And we'll say this. There's always a seat at the table for you. We will make room for you. And so my question goes back to why aren't we all serving in the local body? And so my, my goal, my encouragement for you today is just think about and pray how you can begin to serve within this local body or a local body of a church so that way we can become more effective in what God has called us to do. I'm going to tell you something. We're in, in the process of, like, in, in transition of our, our kids' ministry. And this past Wednesday night, you know, not only was the daddy daycare in the nursery, amen. You, y'all know I love daddy daycare. But I was on daddy duty, literally on daddy duty. Y'all missed it. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> I was changing diapers. I haven't changed a diaper in years. But I love our church so much that there's nothing that I would not do to serve. There's nothing that I would not do to ensure that our body is healthy. But guess what? This is where you get to come in and partner with this church in so many different ways that you can serve in different capacities. So next week, we're going to have a a small ministry fair where we're going to have all of our ministries outlined, and you get to have an opportunity to kind of talk about what does it look like for me to serve. And I remember um, I was talking to one of our members, and I'm going to call them out real quick because they're just an amazing couple, Um, Brandon and Daria Villa. Um, They recently joined our worship team, and and I was talking to Daria because we work in the same facility. I'm like, Daria, what's what's up with Brandon, man? Like, you know, this, this dude, he's so cool, and... Just an amazing man, and I'm like, but he's not connected anywhere. How can we get him connected? And she said, Ryan, you know what? Um, he's a drummer. I'm like, okay, is he a drummer, drummer, or he drum like me? You know, <laughs> he definitely don't drum like me. And the long story of it is, and he said that we already had a drummer, like we had two drummers. But I'm like, Dara, you know what? We live in a motto of in a position that we will always make room at the table. So Brandon came in. He was kind of nervous a little bit. Started playing the drums and 
killing it. And now he's serving on the worship team. And the beauty of it is that their son can see mom and dad serve on the stage together. And it's not about serving on the stage, but more importantly, that their son can see their mother and their father serve the church. I'm going to tell you this. We serve because we're connected. Serving in the body of Christ connects you to the body in a whole different level. See, coming to church on Sunday or Wednesday nights is one thing, but serving builds community. Serving builds a oneness and a togetherness in such a way that you begin to be like, man, get to know things differently about people, right? So I would just encourage you to to really begin to, to serve or begin to serve in some capacity so you can build relationships with other people. It's through serving and fellowship that the body of Christ grows. Amen? So it's when we serve that the body of Christ and the fellowship of Christ, we grow. One of um, James, his words that I, I learned from just talking with him, I had to do a word study, is kononia, right, Pastor James? Kononia is talked about 43 times in Greek in the New Testament. 43 times just in the New Testament. So if that's spoken of 43 times in the New Testament, that means that there's some importance about it, right? There's something that's important about the fellowship of believers coming together. See, see, the Sunday gatherings is great because Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says that, forsake not the assembly of ourselves. That's what we're doing today, right? We're assembling together. That's, that's our Sunday gatherings. But what about our life groups or our connection groups? Acts chapter 2 that we should meet and break bread in each other's houses, the gathering of brothers and sisters together to go over God's word. See, that's our connection groups, right? But what about serving? Serving, we already read that. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, that we are called to serve. Those three things is the fellowship of believers. It's the, the kononia, the 43 times of what the Scripture talks about in the New Testament the Sunday gatherings, the connection groups, and the serving. Why aren't you serving? What are you afraid of? Have you been hurt before? Have you served to a capacity where you just burnt out and stopped? You just don't want to serve anymore? I get it. I get it. But watch this. If you serve maybe once a month, you take the burden off your other brother and sister who may have been in that seat for quite some time. If we fully operate in all cylinders through the body of Christ and everybody serves at least once in some area of the church, imagine what that would look like. Serving others prepares you to lead others. Amen? Serving others prepares you to lead others. See, Jesus was the servant leader. Our church, we model servant leadership. So when we look at leaders and when we begin to select leaders, like we're talking about our elders, our deacons, our worship team. I mean, just where we are talking about like our, our, our core leaders that lead and guide this church, those who are on staff, those who have biblical authority in this church, our elders, our staff, and our deacons. How do we begin, how do we, how do we begin to look at those leadership styles? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Let me read it for you. 
It says, this is how you select biblical leaders. Here's a trustworthy saying, whosoever aspires to be an overseer, a leader, desires a noble task. Now the overseer or leader is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, that's interchangeable, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, and guess what's the next word? Hospitable, which means they should serve. We are called to be servant leaders. And the last part says apt to teach. My last point is this. Not only do we serve one because we're connected, we serve one because we're committed to the gospel. We serve one because we care. We serve the one because we care. We care so much that we want to connect with them outside of what is comfortable for them at times, right? Brendan Manning said this. He says, I don't know this man named Jesus, but one thing I do know, that his life conveys one message. Anyone at any time can start over. He says, I don't know this man named Jesus, meaning that he's not, he's not a believer. But he says that his message, this Jesus message, conveys one thing that I know and I know for certain. Anyone at any time, can start over. Because serving matters. Many of you guys remember um, back in February or March of this year, you know, Felicia and I, we found ourselves in, in, in a kind of like a, a tough spot. A, you know, just, you know, in marriage and relationships, you know, it's ups and downs, valleys and, you know, mountains and valleys. You know, ministry for me was, was, was rough. I've experienced some things over that, that, that season of my life of just leading the ministry. It was just rough. The appearance looked like we were winning on the outside, but inside I was, I, was, I was losing. I felt like I was losing. You know, you look at our social media and everything else, you know, we, we felt like we were winning. We were doing great things. We were hitting the accolades. Things were moving forward. Ministry was taking place. But deep down inside, I was hurting. To be honest, I was getting ready to just, to just to throw in a towel. I felt like I was losing it all. I felt like I was losing at my marriage. Felicia and I, we were at, at odds ends. You know, we were, we just came, we weren't in rhythm. And oftentimes in marriages, you know, you, you, you desire to walk in rhythm, you desire to walk in step together in unison. But there's times in, in your relationship, not only with Christ, but also with the people that you do life with, that you are out of sync with. And that season in my life for in February, March, guys, I, I'm going to be honest. Almost like I'm done. I was, I was, I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of it. I was ready to walk away from it all. But because serving matters, serving 
connected me with a group of people who cared about me, who began to pray for me. And because I'm, I'm connected to these individuals, I called on them. And because this individual served in, the, in our church and serves in our church, I remember that Sunday morning, I said, David, come up on stage and pray for Felicia and I. And those of you who may not know David Yates and Kelly Yates, they serve as leaders of our marriage ministry. And Felicia and I, because, because ministry was hard, life was hard, it trickled down to my family. And what does the enemy want to do? He wants to separate. He wants to divide. And I said, the devil is a lie. I had enough. So I called David Yates up. He didn't know I was going to call on him. I said, David, just pray for us. And why are you praying for us, for Felicia and I? Just pray for other marriages, the other relationships that's out in the congregation that are struggling right now. Because truth be told, many of us feel like throwing in the towel. But when you serve and you care and somebody walks through that door and you ask them, how are you doing? And they say, I'm not doing well, but let me pray for you. See, when our parking lot attendants, our, our greeters, our coffee shop, those who are in connections, those who are manning the tables, when you see that face or you, you see that connection with that person, you just don't let them pass you by. Slow down and take time to recognize where they are and say we care. Because church is not something that you go to, but it's a family that you belong to. It was at that moment when David came up and began to pray for Felicia and I. The shift took place. The tide began to change. So guys, you, you know we keep it real. I'm not going to sugarcoat like we got it right every single Sunday. Like we try, we strive towards perfection. Yet that we have not reached towards perfection. We have not reached the goal, but we're still walking towards it. But that's what God wants us to do. So even when you, when you served the church in the past and you've been hurt or you've been burnt out, I would say re-engage. Get reconnected. And guess what? There's going to be another, maybe another season in fleecing our lives or our marriage that where we may be out of rhythm, out of step. I'm going to call my brothers and my sister. I'm going to say, look, can you pray for us? Can you help a brother and sister out? Amen. Because we're not perfect, but we desire to lead and serve our church in such a way that is Bible-focused, that we build community, and then we make sure that we care. I'm going to read this last thing, and I'm going to be finished. It says this. If Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today, if Christ has no feet but our feet to lead him and men in, in the way, he has no tongue but our tongue to tell men how he died, 
she has no help but our help to bring them to his side. And what this is saying is this. This poem is, is very basic. This poem is saying that we are the hands and the feet and the mouth of Christ. And so we should lead and serve in such a way that our brothers and sisters, our community, our marketplace leaders, which all of us are, we're called to do that. So as our worship team make their way to the front, I just want to remind our church today that we're called to seek the one, as we're seeking the one, that we're called to seek the one that the brother or sister who's sitting by themselves, the one that is estranged, the one that's not connected to the body, the one that may not have any community whatsoever. Seek after them. Make yourself available. But we're also called to serve the one. And lastly, church, as we wrap up next week, we're called to send the one. That we're seeking, that we're serving, and we're sending. And we'll talk about that next week. Amen. So let us stand. We're going to close out with the song called Another in the Fire. So I don't know about you. If you've ever been in a storm of life, just know that there's another in a fire. There's one that's in there with you because he said that he would not leave you nor forsake you. And we just have to lean into that individual. So when you feel like you're all by yourself, ask for some help. And I'll say this, if you're feeling alone, if you're feeling neglected, even by this church, come and see me and we'll make that a change. That's one area in our church that we want to make sure that we do better, that, we are, that we're closing that back door, that we're closing the gaps in our ministry, that no one feels like they're left out, that no one feels like they're margin, that they're, that they're a part of a margin. We want you to feel that you're connected to the body of Christ completely. And I want to make sure that we model that. I want to model that. Amen. But, but one of the best ways to do that is to begin serving in the church and building community. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from one church if you made a decision of any kind today or would like to learn more about what your next step is visit onechurchnc.net if you are local to our campus plan your visit online at onechurchnc.net visit